We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome back to the final episode of the uh, the regular season of the Goodman and Hummel podcast. Maybe ever, though. Maybe ever. The way well, I was treated, the way I was treated at the Final Four, <laughs> is not acceptable. A. Yeah. I, I agree to come on the stupid night show at yeah. the Intersport Party. All yes, right, fine. You did. I eat my chicken tenders because they had some some uh, raisin raisin canes was yeah. was catering the party, and I'm coming in to sit down. And all of a sudden, I see Bob Huggins coming right towards me alongside you. And literally, you're just like, get up, get up. up. You're out. I don't want to be on this stupid show anyway. (laughs) So I did. And eventually, I did come on. That was the first strike. Second strike. There's a tweet that goes out from the field of 68. And it thanks all the people for what a great year it was. Guess who was not included? (laughs) You. I'm you, know why? you know why? Because currently you are uh, mired in, in deep contract negotiations right now. And until we know if you're coming back. No, no, no. This is going to be this is going to be leveraged into a payday. I, I'm not coming back. There's, I'm probably they, not going to come back. I, I really I don't think I'm going to come back. How are the negotiations going with you and Doster? They're non-existent. We're so far apart right now. We haven't even spoken. What are you asking for, by the way? What, what's your, your big? I don't know. Like maybe 10,000 an episode. 10 G's an episode. An episode. Jeez. Yeah, that's the kind of that's the kind of pull I'm bringing to this show. Unbelievable, unbelievable. That's, that's what I want to come back. Let Rob. I've know. heard thousand an episode. I'll come back next year. I've heard part of Doster's um, deal. The 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 hang up in the deal is that you're 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 just on the the golf course too much in the off season. That you go. Why does that away. matter? We don't even do podcasts in the summertime. Only because you're always on the golf course. I could easily do them at night. That's not an issue. You're going today. Today, we're no, working not, on your schedule. You're not going nope. today. No, I, I'm flying up to Minneapolis for uh, for some USA basketball stuff. Oh, Coach Coach Hummel. That's right. That's right. Who the hell is hiring you as a coach? That's what I want to know. You know I tried to put your name in the ring for Valpo. You wouldn't go for it. Well, only if I could. Good. Only if I could form my staff of Scott and Bryce Drew, Homer Drew, and who else? Scott Martin. Who else was on my wish list? Me. Is your no, option? You did not make the cut. You didn't make the cut. All right, let, let's get down to it. Uh, first of all, um, 
yeah, we 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 had some fun with the slam dunk contest, the inner sports slam, slam dunk contest. Oh, it was a blast. That's another thing we need to talk about. No, How didn't. terrible you are at judging. My goodness. The guy was six three and a half when we jumped over. This clown right here. <laughs> we're judging. And first of all, every dunk, Jeff would be like, What are you giving? What are you giving? Because he, he wanted to be like me, I think. He wanted to, he wanted to be in the ballpark because he's never well, done. He's never dunked, so how could he it's know? It's not true. I, I dunked when I was younger. I haven't dunked in a long time. Yeah, and I uh, I got a hole-in-one when I was younger, too. You know, those magical days. But the craziest thing that you did yes, was you gave the players in the first round fours for not completing dunks. I felt bad. The lowest score you could give was a one. Yeah. If you don't make it the dunk, how can you reward them with a four? You were doing that. All right, fine. But in the second round, we had a player who missed two dunks and then went and went to dunk his last and final attempt, yeah. but lost the ball and ended up laying it in. But at least right. it went in. Correct. And you gave him a one. He didn't even try to dunk. It wasn't even a dunk attempt. But it went in. It's a finger roll layup. I know, but he lost it and then turned it over. I don't and care. It you have to try to dunk it. If you really... It's really intelligent that you would give a player a four for not scoring and a one for actually making it. As they moved on rounds, I got tougher. No. I started lenient, and I no. got a little bit tougher as they advanced deeper. I heard the through the through the Intersport and ESPN Grapevine, they were like, we were really disappointed in Jeff. We, <laughs> we were really. I'm not going to be asked back. Yeah, I don't think you'll be asked back. They, they were like, we, we really thought he would give more you know insight better scores but then they were like well he's never dunked so how could I needed he? a microphone that's what i was missing i was missing a microphone yeah that's that's yeah. always what you need <laughs> all right let, let let's get to it um and, and yes we did bounce you for bob huggins and i would do it over and over and over again all right first first of all he, he's in the, the regular hall of fame not the uh purdue hall of fame which I'm not even sure you're in yet. Are you in the Purdue Hall of Fame yet? I am. You are? Yes. All right. Well, this Hugs is going to have a real statue built outside of West. He should. He, he needs one. They need he one. was hilarious, by the way. I know you didn't hear him. You, you need to go back and watch. I'm him. surprised. Honestly, I'm surprised you guys could hear him. He's, because he's, he, he's so quiet. He yeah. talks so quietly and it was so loud in there. I was without, next to him. Without any headsets, I, I was thinking... A, I don't want to be on the show, but B, I was thinking, wow, I don't know how they're actually going to hear Coach Huggins because of the way that he he speaks. Yeah, he was. Um, he's he's hilarious though. He is, he is. absolutely hilarious. I, I've always said, like, like you got to get to know Hugs to really. He's very, I think he's very different than what the the common college basketball oh. fan thinks. He he yeah. is he is much different in person than than I think most people understand. And he's beloved by every coach. Like, literally, you will never hear a bad word about Bob Huggins. And and I actually think, you know, back when you were playing and and when I kind of got into this, he was kind of the, the the black sheep almost of the coaching fraternity, right? It like, had turned by the time I was – and when he was he – he was at West Virginia by the time I got to school. Yeah. And but, it, but it had changed. Yeah. Yeah, Cincinnati for sure. That was his. yes. But again, everybody loves him. Got in the Hall of Fame. All right, let, let's let's get on to. I'm, I'm wearing the UConn sweatshirt in honor of Doster. Way to go! In honor of Doster, in honor of Dan Hurley, uh, in honor of Sinogo and Klingon and all. Let's those. go back to what you said before the NCAA tournament. 
What no, did no. I say? You said, will Danny Hurley be afraid of Rick Pitino in the first round? <laughs> I did. And they did proceeded that. to steamroll every team they played. Then I said it about Randy Bennett. Then I said it about Musselman and Mark Few. I think I said it about everybody. Danny Hurley will never come back on the show because you have just slandered his name. He actually should because, honestly, I believe I saved his season. No, you didn't. I think how? I did. How? I'll tell you how. So uh, I came up publicly after, remember, he, he, he got into a little tiff with, with one of the officials, Jeffrey Anderson, and said some things about him that were captured on, on camera during a game. And, uh, and I said publicly that, that Big East officials had had enough of him. And uh, I honestly, I, I'm not taking credit. I'm kidding about that. But, but what I am saying is I actually do think that incident and everything that, that, that followed it Help Dan Hurley because we've I've talked to him about this forever and I listen I've known Dan you know like we had him and Bobby on the show and they were freaking phenomenal phenomenal and and I feel like Danny needed that he needed people to come out publicly and, and kind of challenge him and say hey you know what you have a chance to do something special here this year you need you need to just coach your guys and he had remember he had written that on his wrist in Portland coach your guys showed it right. to me. And then he kind of got away from it for a while. And then, again, another misstep with, with Jeffrey Anderson. And then I think he, he got much better. Now, again, listen, they were playing double-digit games every game in the NCAA tournament. So, yeah, right, right. But, but, but he was still on his better behavior. For no, the I agree. Part. I agree. And honestly, it's, it's human nature to the refs, too. If you are going to berate the officials and yell at them on every call – and much like players and coaches, they are going to make mistakes. That's a part of playing the sport and, and coaching the sport. But when, you, when you're constantly on those guys, and there's a bang-bang 50-50 call, yeah. this is not saying anything crazy or nope. you know over the top, but subconsciously, if you've been berated the whole time, it's a 50-50 call, are you going to go with the guy that's been berating you or the guy that's not? Hell, you know, that's, that's a part of this. That, Human it, it, it definitely is. And I don't care what those guys say. They're trying to be objective. But, you know, when you t take into account road and home environments and officials getting booed, I've always thought, I mean, look, that's why it's hard to win on the on the road. You you have a crowd you're playing against. And I think also that affects the officiating at times. You get more calls at home. There's no doubt about that. Always has been. Um, but I think it also goes in the sense of coaches when you're just constantly on these dudes, eventually they're probably going to get fed up and, and you're not going to get a great whistle at times because of that. So it is good that he, and look, it's easier to do that when you're absolutely just killing people, which they were doing. Um, but he, he was on his best behavior. I agree. It was so funny when I went up, you know, I saw all six of their games in person. I was with him in Albany, with him in Vegas, with him in Houston. So in Albany, I hadn't talked to him since all this. Hadn't talked to him. Was going to go to a UConn game in February when I got back from Charleston and just didn't work. I, I don't think I felt well. Or my you chickened out? Yeah, I was going to. Again, I didn't. So I saw him uh, after one of his press conferences in Albany and started to go up to him. And he's like, basically like, no, like, like no, 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 I'm not talking to you. And, uh, <laughs> and the best part, he, he, he goes, he goes, you're the reason why we didn't get three weeks of calls. And I looked at him. I go, no, no, you're the reason you didn't get three weeks of calls. And uh, we met up. We, we, 
you know, the beauty of that relationship is we've gone at it for years. Um, but you know where you stand with Dan Hurley. I've compared him. Here's what I who's who I compare him to, Rob. A little bit like a Tom Izzo and a Bill Self in some ways, a younger version, because he's old school in so many ways. Learned from his dad, Bob, one of the greatest high school coaches ever. He's sarcastic as hell, like Izzo, like Self. He's going to coach him up. He's going to hold him accountable. But then you know what he's going to do? He's going to put his arm around him after, after killing him, after practice, after, you know, whatever it is. He's got that relationship where he can do that, and they're still going to respect him. They're going to run through a wall for him. Right. Yeah. And that's that's half the battle of coaching, right? Getting your guys to, to play like that. And on top of that, they've got they've got really talented players. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Tristan Newton w- was really good. Um, I, I was I was really impressed with Jordan Hawkins in the game where he was sick. I thought on television, because we were up in this suite that was in the 400 level um, doing this stuff for Bleacher Report, I thought he looked visibly ill on the floor. Really? Just the look on his face. He, He's always he looked, got the same look, though. He chews gum. No, he I know, but he looked, like he, throw, he looked like he could puke at any time. That's yeah, what maybe I he wasn't. He like. I'm surprised. Yeah, I mean, he had food poisoning or whatever, so it's not. Yeah, the calamari. calamari. Yeah, b- big fan of Andre Jackson. I just think the, the playmaking, the athleticism – Toughness. Uh, the toughness. Yes, the toughness, the defensive ability is there. He the way that he could play the the one, two, three, or even the four is big time. Sonogo's a beast. Yep. I mean, he had a great tournament, obviously, most outstanding player. Caravan made big plays in that final four game. Calcaterra. Calcaterra's a, a, a real weapon off the bench, and then Donovan Klingen's your backup center. He's they all fit. They fit. Yeah. That that's what this team did and through the portal is what you should do is you know what you got coming back and then you build around it, right? You build around it. And that's what Hurley and his staff did an incredible job of this year. And where like Arkansas, for instance, put all this talent together for this team, but they didn't have enough shooting. You better have enough shooting. And that's where really the UConn staff addressed that weakness more than anything else and said, Hey, we're going to go get Tristan Newton. We're going to go get, um, Calcaterra. We're going to go get some guys that can make shots because, frankly, you know, Sonogo is not a pick and pop guy. Now, he made two big threes in the final four, but that's not his game. His game is is obviously down low on the block. Yeah, but that, those were big shots just to to get in the mind of, of San Diego State. Really, like, oh, God, if this yeah. dude's going to make this. So, I, I think an underrated aspect, though, of UConn's run here, and it's really not underrated when you look at it on paper, but their defense was amazing. Yes. Their yes. defense was unbelievable. Yep. 59 against San Diego State, 59 against Miami. Gonzaga goes. Klingon. Hey, Klingon is a beast in there defensively. Yeah, but he, he's an NBA player. Like, yeah. yeah, he could be an NBA player this year. I'm not well, saying that he will go, but I, I think if he did, he'd end up in that 20 to 35 range. I hit, I hit four NBA GMs after the title game. And pretty much everyone was the same, 25 to 40, somewhere yeah. in that range. I mean, he moves well. He runs really well. He yep. can stretch the floor and shoot it a little bit. He's he's a pro. You guys ever get tired of trying to prove that you won an argument, that your takes weren't hot, they were right? Well, I have an answer to all of your problems. Vaulted is a new sports prediction app that turns your opinions into facts. You can store all of your predictions and hot takes in your vault now. And forever challenge your friends, keep track of the results, and prove that you are, in fact, the smartest. 
Vaulted will also be releasing more than 50 pools during the NBA playoffs. So download the app at the link below for your three-month trial, store your predictions now, and keep them forever. Today's episode is presented by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play college basketball's Pick'em, where you get real cash prizes simply by picking player stats in this weekend's games. In Pick'em, all you do is pick whether a player will go higher or lower in Underdog's projected totals. That's points, rebounds, whatever. If you're like me and you think Marquise Noel is going to go absolutely nuts this weekend, pick higher on his points projection, throw in a couple of other picks, and if you hit them all, you can win 20 times your money on a single game. Underdog's Slick Mobile app is easy enough that dummies like Jeff Goodman have even figured it out. So go to underdogfantasy.com or download the app and use the code FIELD, F-I-E-L-D, to get a 100% deposit match up to $100. Get in on the madness now. The big question is, do Sinogo and Klingon both come back? Because I feel like if one comes back, the other is more, more likely to say, you know what, I'm gone. You know, do they split 40 again? Because you can't play them together. No, right. Right, it's so crazy. It's crazy that I get that you want an opportunity to play big minutes, but man, that you're on the team that just won the national title. I know, but if you're clinging, are you sitting there and getting 18? I mean, what do you, what do you average? Uh, I don't know. How many I'm minutes? Gonna I'm going to look right now how many minutes he averaged for the year. And, and then what he got. I mean, luckily they were playing him in some blowouts, so you're actually able to get him more playing time. Um, you ready for this? You're going to be surprised when you see how many minutes he played. How many minutes do you think he averaged this year? Take a guess. I'm, I'm going to guess 13.1. Yeah, you're looking right at it, you asshole. <laughs> 13.1 minutes. He played 10 in the championship game. He had foul trouble. He played uh, 13 against Miami, 12 against Gonzaga. Do you really think uh, – 13 against Arkansas, 12 against St. Mary's. Do you think he's going to sign up? If Sinogo comes back to play between 10 and 13 minutes again? Probably not. Right. That, that That's all I'm saying is I would be shocked if both of them come back. I'd be shocked. I just yeah. don't see it. I don't it's see just, it happening. Yeah, right, right. I mean, I I think there's a chance that you go to the NBA, honestly. You know, chance he can go to the NBA. There's a chance Sinogo leaves. You know, could he go NBA? I mean, could he even go portal and, and, and make a ton of money NIL somewhere else? Because right. can you pay both those guys if you're UConn? Can you pay them enough? Because other schools are going to offer both. Oh, that's the reality. That's where we the are. Fact, the fact that we're saying that, we sound like we're talking about free agency. I know. Like, I know, terrible. but it's changed. No, it has. It has. Um, I saw a tweet yesterday about how players are leveraging NIL offers against their other schools that are recruiting them to try to get them to up their offers. Yeah. That's so wild. I'm not even going to tell you how much money Kirk Carissa got to go to West Virginia. A lot? Was it a lot? A shitload. God, I played in the wrong era. A lot. You you would have made – trying to think what you would have made right now. You probably could have made, yeah, probably like 500 to a million dollars. What did you make? What's the most you ever made in the NBA? Eight ninety. All right, you might have made more. Dang. You might have made more money in college than you ever made in the NBA. Yeah, that's crazy. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. Um, do we think 
UConn could fall off significantly, or do you think they, they're going to get momentum now? And even if they lose, they're going to lose Hawkins, we know. Jackson said he's coming back, and I, I kind of love that if he does to improve his shot. But I always feel like, too, on one hand, it's great. On the other hand, where do you improve your perimeter shot the easiest in, in the well, league? Yeah, and it's like you could also just prove that you can't shoot. At least there's still a question mark right now. Yeah, you know, good point. Like that's, you could yep. you could prove that okay, he just is not going to be a shooter. Um, no, I mean, I I think that I think the fact that they're in the Big East and the Big East has so much momentum right now, yeah, as a league, and I think that UConn, we had this conversation a ton. Uh, Tyler Hansborough and I did with the Bleacher Report stuff of who are the blue bloods right now, and who are the blue bloods in college hoops, and I, I UConn is. Have I don't care. They, I Have don't care. They missed the tournament. I think it was was it nine of or it's they've missed the tournament a decent amount of times in the last twenty years. Yeah, they, with Ollie. Yeah, but they've won five national titles since nineteen ninety nine. Yes, that's amazing. Who uh, else has done that, Rob? Who else? Nobody. No one. No, I. It was funny with Tyler because Tyler comes from North Carolina, yeah. and he's got a very. I mean, they're they're a blue blood clearly. And he's got that perspective, but he was very down on Kentucky and he was very down on UCLA because he was saying, well, Kentucky hasn't won a tournament game in, in three years, which, you know, this year. they won one this year. Oh well, yeah. They won one game. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and then UCLA hasn't won at all since what? 95 or six. Yeah. 90, yep. So yep. he was very down on those, you know, we talked about Indiana and how, well, they, ha- they've missed the tournament in 11 of 20 years. They haven't won since 87. Um, so he, it was just a very interesting conversation. But the point of this is when you talk about UConn and even Villanova in the last 10 years, they've performed like blue bloods. And I think UConn just is a blue blood at this point. I, I really do. I do too. I mean, I, I think they have been before this, but they kind of, they had fallen off so much recently after the, you know, Shabazz Napier national title uh in 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 14 14 14 14 that they they really hadn't done anything i mean they really the last but i think being in the american was difficult killed them them. it did it's like what we've seen from some of the teams in the acc you know syracuse in the acc has not been good pittsburgh until this year in the acc has not been good those were really good programs before what um you know, I, I had to try to put together this early, early, early. Time. Why do you even do? I guess I know why you do it, but there's I've no. I've done point. it forever. I've I know, done, and I I know that it people gets clicked. Yeah, people. Right. It, it's it's like there, there's no point. It's so there's, bad. It, there's no point because the turnover of the free agency we're going to see, right, is is just gonna. Well, know, it's like who you know. What if a, a team not in the top, you know, team in the top twenty ish gets Hunter Dickinson. Obviously, they're going to move up significantly. I just think it's a conversation piece. It's something – usually I do it with the, the whole rosters. I guess it is a baseline, too. You yeah, it helps how, a little bit. How yep. far they came in a short amount of time. Right, like Marquette. Marquette, we know what they – unless they lose stuff through the portal, yeah, they're going to be top five right. for everybody. If they're not, something's wrong. They bring back everybody from a team that, that won the regular season and tournament. Uh, Big East tournament. So you have to have them. 
Um, UConn's iffy to me. Like, I got to see what they get. If they, no, I mean, that's that's a big part of this. That's that's a huge any team right now is who knows, but I, I was looking at Illinois, I was reading about Illinois here, uh, today. The turnover that they have had the last couple seasons and the guards that have transferred out of that program, it's pretty jarring. Yeah. Like, it's pretty, and it's alarming. Jaden Epps is the one to me where I'm like, why? Why? You you have the keys to the offense for, for the next yes. three seasons. You will be the starting point guard. I, I just unless I he's been promised the starting point guard spot at Georgetown and he wants to be closer to home. That's yeah, all. Yeah, right. And that, that, or if he just doesn't like playing in Illinois or right. you know, who knows? Right. But, I mean, listen. But we, usually it's like, are you playing? Are you are you I know, but town? sometimes I don't know. What, what if you don't love being in the Midwest? Then you're no. That's that's fair. Like, like that's fair. I, I think sometimes we make judgments on people. You stayed regionally close to home, right? You didn't have a huge adjustment. Your family could come out; they could drive out and see you play. Well, right. you know, you go. You know, it's still a couple hour flight. You know, you, you're talking about maybe being homesick. Maybe just feeling like I want my family to see if I can go to Georgetown. Now he's looking at Georgetown or NC State. Those are the two. Where's Jay Neff from? Is he DC or is he? He's DC. Yeah, I think he's he's DMV that area somewhere around there. So you know, like you can understand if he goes to Georgetown and is the starting point guard for Ed Cooley. Okay, you know what? My family can see me play every game. I get it. I get it. And in this day and age, it's just it's so commonplace to transfer that it's no big deal anymore back when you were playing it was a little bit different obviously you had to, no, sit. You had to sit out you had to sit i mean it was a huge deal to transfer and there you weren't you as many to... kids doing it there just right. weren't as many kids doing it now it's like hey shit if you know i you talk to coaches right now and it's like all right if if, if my guy's a six man he wants to be a starter look if, at look at uh, ish masood ish masood right. is a great example of that yes and if I will he, say, I listened to Jerome Tank's comments about it, and I thought they were excellent. What he said? Well, they they had a very open dialogue. Masood told him what he wanted out of his role. Uh-huh. It was to, I think, to start or play thirty minutes a game or whatever. And Tang was honest and said, "I, you know, with who we have coming in and who we have, I don't know if I can promise you that." So he was like, "We're helping him find his place." And he, then he said, "I told him, you know, if you go out there and you don't find what you like." We would want you back. It's not right. personal, but I am also going to have to look to fill your spot while you're in the portal. And as I just think the communication he had with him was awesome. And I think that that's how these coaches have to look at this because it's not, it's not a personal thing. And I thought it was just cool the way that he kind of was, you know, doing things. No, I think that is great. And I think, you know, again, you got kids now, some kids throwing their name in the portal just to see what they can get NIL was. And, you know, again, just, you know, be careful, I would say to any kid, and you can speak to this better than I can, but, you know, be careful going somewhere just for the NIL, uh, because you may get the money, but you may not get the same role that you might get. No, for less and it's not just the role, but I also look at the connections and the, the connection to the university. It, it can be a bit short sighted. Now, if someone's offering you, you know, Nigel Pack, it's. 800,000 a car. Okay. I, that's a lot of money. Sure. That's certainly worth what it's worth. But, you know, I played at Purdue. I graduated from Purdue. 
I got to meet so many successful, unbelievable people who are in the business world and have these crazy connections to both Purdue basketball and the Purdue business school and Purdue university. And I think that that is worth a lot over the course of your life as well. And when you go back to a place and they love you because you played there and you finished there and you were a part of building something that those people care about so much in their university, that is worth something too. And when you're a one-year mercenary multiple times over, unless you're, you know, like, like a Joey Calcaterra this year, he went to UConn and he played on a team that will be remembered forever. Um, that that's worth something that is, but if you go to a team and let's say you go to, well, I don't even want to say a school because it's not, I'm not trying to blast it. school yep. X yep. and school X goes to the NCAA tournament and loses in the first round. It's just whatever, you know, you, you, did you really, unless you had an all American type season, did you really make an imprint there where the people got to know you and you can go back there and they'll love you the way that they love four-year and five-year players. Well, Hunter Dickinson is probably a good example, example. to use on Great this example. because Michigan's brand is so strong. Totally. Right? Everything about Michigan and the connections. Listen, as good as they were at Purdue, take it a step higher for Michigan. Yeah, right? I, I mean, all around the country, business world, whatever it is. And now, right, Hunter – now he's going to make a lot of money in NIL, maybe maybe significantly more than he would have made staying at Michigan. But you got to balance: is it worth it? Because now my Michigan connections might be lost forever. Yeah, they could, and there will maybe maybe some that don't hold this against him. Right. But there will right. be some people there that'll be like, "Well, he's not a Michigan, you know, he's not a Michigan Wolverine to me." A Michigan man, a Michigan right. man, they call it. Yeah, he's no longer a Michigan man. Yeah. Speaking of Michigan, man. They got a lot of work to do now, and, and a lot of work. Losing um, Buffkin, Dickinson, Jed Howard. Uh, if, if I'm Juwan, I'm 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 calling every NBA team that has an opening right now. I don't think he's going to do that. It's, his, it's where he went to school. He has that connection there. All right, I, but I understand he's, They've got to hit the portal really hard. Do you think Caleb Love is in play Missouri. there? I think he goes to Missouri. That's where he's from. He's from Missouri. He's St. Louis, right? I I think he – I mean, again, who knows with NIL. I I think he goes to Missouri. And, uh, listen, whoever gets him, it's going to be interesting to see. You know, I've talked to Baycott about him, and he feels like his next spot, uh, Caleb's got a chance to to be a really good player, and it might help him. Yeah, he's talented. I just think that you got to rein in some some of the poor shot selection, right? Right, coach him up. You better have a lot around him. Although Carolina had a lot of enough around him, they just didn't have shooting. Like that was the biggest thing this year is they didn't. If you know, I I don't know. I mean, to me, I would have used a, a Seth Trimble more and been able to sit Caleb Love and said, "Hey, listen, you're not playing the way we want. We're losing anyway. We're losing with you. We might as well lose without you." And and, and basically try to. Try to teach him a little bit of a lesson. But again, this is this is a player who had an iconic run. Yeah. It's the same thing. He literally was making crazy shots from the Duke game at the end of the regular season through the national championship game where he was balling. Balling. Yeah. And those were the shots that took those guys there. And I mean, his legacy, same as Hunter, is going to be fascinating. I mean, he he literally was on a team that Beat Coach K in his last home game, knocked Coach K out of his last NCAA tournament, 
Yeah. Played unbelievable in between those games. Yep. And now is transferring to play his last season somewhere else. That that is because he would be up there in Carolina lore with the best of them. You know, I with that. That's if they want it all. If they want it all, yeah. Totally, totally. But now it's gonna be it's gonna be very strange. You wonder if he should have just left after last year. And just gone out on that note. Yeah. Yeah, you probably. Know. But but I give him credit. But it's, no, I give him credit for wanting to come back and, and win and win the national title. I, I, I don't fault him for that. I think that's actually I admire it a little bit because a lot of kids would be like, screw it, I'm done, you know. What um what stood out to you most about the NCAA tournament? Was there anything else other than UConn's, you know, historic run in some senses because they just beat the shit out of everybody and they really didn't play anybody close. Like, I, I don't remember the closest I remember anybody getting was really San Diego State within five and then Jordan Hawkins hit that three right away to squash it anyway. Was yeah. there anything else that you will take or what will you take from this NCAA tournament? For me – it was all those ones, twos, and, and threes losing yeah. and not making Arizona losing to Princeton, Purdue losing to Farley Dickinson. Yep. I'll always remember, I think, Marquise Noel's performance against Michigan State. I think yep. that's that's certainly a, a main takeaway, 19 assists, 20 points. Are you one of those now um, that, that thinks that this is going to happen again and again? With... I think with the COVID stuff, that's made it much more possible. And I think I when that ends, it will go back to more of kind of what we saw before. Yeah, I, I do think these mid-majors are – it's going to be really challenging to keep your players. We've seen it already. I mean, listen, you know, Max Aismas now, there was a, a coaching change with Max Aismas. His coach goes to Wichita State, so it's a little bit easier for him to leave. But, yeah, I mean, again, these you hear it. I hear it from these these coaches now at the low-major, mid-major level. If you got anybody really good, you better have damn good NIL. And even if you do, it, it might be good for your level. But it's yeah. not good comparatively speaking to what right. Well, and they the the mids and the highs have something that the lows can't offer. The fact right. that they're the mids and the highs. Correct. And you want to be playing on ESPN and CBS and NBC and Fox. You know, that's that's where you want to be playing. You want to can't be blame them. No, I don't. I don't. I mean it's right. just the the sad thing is it's gonna become like the the breeding ground for for transfers at the next at the higher level. If you're low major, it's to the mids. It's if you're the mids, it's to the highs. And I even, I mean, the crazy thing is look at the D2 kid, the D2 kid on the team that won it all. And he's being recruited by like everybody. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, a lot of teams have had success with non D1 transfers. You saw it with Charleston, especially this yeah. year, they had a few and look at what Pat Kelsey was able to do with that team, get him into the NCAA tournament. Um, so I, I think, you know, we're in kind of a copycat world a little bit. And uh, you wonder if that also goes to what UConn did with their bigs. You know, if you have we, – we, we've hammered the fact that bigs can't win in the tournament. They did it with two very different bigs, right? They didn't have one plot. And Klingman's not nearly as plotting as a lot of, of guys his size. No, Klingman runs well. Really well. For his size. That's, that's, he's not plotting at all. Right. Um, and Sonogo – at least has the ability to step out and yep. he's not parked on the block all the time. He does post a lot. Yep. I think that that, that certainly helps them spread the floor. And then I honestly give a lot of credit to Danny Hurley. They, they run really good stuff. Yep. They run great stuff for Hawkins. They, they run, they run great sets. They really do. So 
Alabama this year had four of its top eight were freshmen. Okay. They they had a hell of a regular season, but obviously in the NCAA tournament, we know we know what happened. Um, Kentucky brings in a class next year with five guys ranked in the top 30. Some have tried to say it's the greatest class ever assembled, which is a joke because this class isn't that good. Is it better than like Ohio State 2005? No, hell no. Hell no, because there's no Greg Oden. There's no Greg or, Oden. Or Mike Conley. Conley. Daquan Cook was a stud. Like, I'll put Daquan Cook, honestly, at the same uh, time up there with DJ Wagner. Uh, Greg Oden would destroy Aaron Bradshaw. Destroy him. You know, just, Justin Edwards is a really good player. So they have Justin Edwards, DJ Wagner, Aaron Bradshaw, Robert Dillingham, and Reed Shepard. So five dudes in the top 30 coming in. Um, how much of a chance do you give? Oscar Shibway may come back. Like, there's a good chance he comes back for one more year because, again, he's smart enough to understand. I can make way more money, way more money. Here, here are my options. I can go pro, and I'm probably playing in the G League or overseas, or I can make millions of dollars coming back to yeah. Kentucky for another This is an easy I mean, one. He, he should come back, yeah. Of course he should. Well, how do you compare this recruiting class to 2011 Kentucky? Anthony Davis, Michael K. Gilchrist, Marcus Teague, Kyle Wilcher. I liked how that team fit better. How's that? I liked how they fit. Here, here's my biggest question mark with Kentucky. Now, again, it'll depend on what they have coming back. Uh, Antonio Reeves, uh, I think, declared for the draft. You know, I don't know where he's going, but ultimately you need shooting. And Justin Edwards can shoot. He, he's a talented scoring wing. Uh, Wagner and Dillingham are both ball-dominant guards who don't shoot a great percentage, or at least didn't when I saw them. People have said Dillingham's a better shooter than he showed at the Peach Jam. He didn't shoot it well. Wagner, I've seen a lot. He's a, he's a volume scorer, is what he really is. Bradshaw is a terrific talent. Like, like could be a hell of an NBA player. Long, thin, block shots, can step out a little bit. Uh, and Reed Shepard, I just don't know how he gets on the floor that yeah. much as a freshman. Well, how do you so compare it to the Shooting and experience. Well, what do you need more than anything else to win a title? I mean, I think both of those things. But Correct. You need them both. You need <laughs> them do you, both. How do you compare the 2010 Kentucky then? Ennis Cantor, Brandon Knight, Terrence Jones, Deron Lamb, Stacey Poole. Yeah, this is probably as good as that. And Cantor didn't play, remember. He wasn't clear. Cantor, Cantor sat. That's right. He practiced. This, listen, I'm not saying this isn't a, a hell of a, of a talented class. It is. My biggest thing is where's the perimeter shooting coming from? If you bring back Reeves, okay, you know, then then you got your perimeter shooter and he's and he's older and proven. If you can add, you know, five veterans, good veterans to this group, but then you add five, you're not playing 10 dudes. No, you're agreed. Gonna, you're gonna Reed Shepard's probably gonna have to wait his turn. Yeah. That'd be my guess. Although he could shoot it and he can yeah. pass. I can't believe how many Kentucky classes are. I just Googled quickly. Insane. Oh, nine. John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, Daniel Orton, Eric Bledsoe, John Hood. That was his first one. Remember, he brought Wall and Cousins. They were committed to Memphis. He added Bledsoe, who was a point guard, and instead made him a two guard, and he shot the hell out of it his one year. Yeah. So, yeah, no, no. What Cal's done is incredible, but I think ultimately – the blueprint is not there to win with with a freshman dominated 
team. So I have them just out of the top 10 right now until, you know, they show I me. Mean, their, their issues offensively still really concern me with some of the stuff that they run. Yes. Some of that stuff is not good. As we talked about, what well, you know, the, the Christmas present for John Calipari should be go hire John Beeline in the summer for like two months the and let Beeline implement your offense. Or at least yeah. even if he's not your coordinator, let him just – you know, like like coaches go to certain places in the offseason to learn. Mm-hmm. You know, like, hey, Cal, go 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 visit Beeline. Go visit Beeline for a while, and uh, and that way you can make your offense look like it's not from the 1980s anymore. It's rough. It's rough. It is rough. It's a rough watch. It's a rough, yeah. rough watch. Agreed. All right, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go. I know. Uh, you have to get to your contract negotiations here. I think Dawson- we got one more thing. We got we got to view our team. Oh, the teams, yes, the teams. We picked our teams at the beginning of the year. We're going to run through this for five minutes here and go through uh, our teams and see where we hit and where we missed. We did this in October uh, before the season started. We drafted, and I think the one thing was: tell me if I'm wrong. We needed a mid-major player. Yep, mid-major. Was there any other qualifications? I think that was it. Just one yeah. mid-major guy. Are we going to run down in order? Is this in order how we did it? So I started. I, th- I, could... I think it is. I believe it is. All right. So I started with taking Marcus Sasser number yes. one. Or, and and I, I don't regret that. No, no, no. That's a good pick. That's a good pick. You went with. I, w- I took Kendrick Davis at one because I needed a point guard and I didn't. You know, really, I think that's that was kind of an overreaction. You could have went a couple different ways from some experienced guys. That was fine. But Kendrick Davis had a good year, and then I went Nick Smith at two, which he was hurt. He He was was hurt. I saw him in in Des Moines, and he really lacked burst, which might be because he was injured. I think it was. He did not get by anybody. He he could not get by anybody. I think he was playing tentative because of the knee. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that was my first two. I don't think that there's shame in any of those two because no. if Nick Smith's healthy, I would have felt good about that. But you were right. fine. Then my next two were, were Jaime Jaquez. I'll take that all day week, all day long. Yep. And Oscar Sheboy. Fine. Fine. Got no problem with those picks. Yep. Those are good. I went Adam Flagler and Jalen yep. Wilson with my next two. Love I think them. Yeah. Those are both good. Wilson had a great year. Flagler was really good too. So my next my next ones I'd like to have back. R.J. Davis had a rough year, had a rough year. It was not nearly as good as I thought he'd be, but I think there was some, obviously, some uh, chemistry issues there that uh, affected him and, and his teammates. And Keontae George just was up and down. Was, wasn't as good. But like Nick Smith, I mean, listen, there weren't many freshmen uh, that, that you could rely on this year. Uh, my next pick was one of them, but you go ahead. Your next two were good. I thought pretty good. Yeah, Drew Timmy, obviously All-American, great pick. And then Derek Lively was a high upside pick. Early on in the year, I think I would have said didn't love the pick, but he did start to play better at the end. And he's just – he's different than a lot of – he's athletic as can be. So, solid no pick. There. No solid pick. Uh, with my uh, six overall pick, I got a guy that you could have picked, like, number one or two in Brandon. Yeah. Like that – I hit it with that one. Uh, I love Brandon Miller – from the first time I saw him at Peach Jam, and uh, that was a great pick. Kevin McCuller, just a glue guy. I don't, I don't regret it. I could have taken him a little bit later, but I like, I like McCuller because he can guard. 
uh he, he does a little bit of everything so i'm fine with that pick yeah my next two one is great and one is a major bust yes yes isaiah wong acc player of the year great pick yep. great great value there in the middle rounds yep and i went pete nance and that Dude. you know that's a tough one shot that one hurt three that's the first one where you're like oh boy I think that's the first pick either of us have made that you're just like busto. Yeah, right. Like you really missed on that one. All the other ones you could you can make a case for some better than others. Uh, all right, I went. I like my next two. Ryan Kalkbrenner. He was awesome when he was healthy. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. And Terrence Shannon, who was up and down, but I still feel like if you had given Terrence Shannon a real point guard, yeah, he was still all Big Ten. I mean, he's first and second team. Yeah. yeah, it was fine. Fine. Yeah. All right. Your your next two are interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, Cam Whitmore. I don't regret picking him because the hype was so real. But the, the hand injury was hurt. Was tough. You know, yep. he was hurt early. What did he actually? I don't think I really saw Villanova much of it. He was anything. good when he played. He was good. So he he just, he was, he was, oh, he'll be a lottery pick for sure. For sure. Yeah. And then I went Caleb Love. <laughs> I think <laughs> your problem. All of our problems. Think about this so far. We depended on UNC way too much. I took RJ, you took Nance and Caleb, and all instead of taking the one the one guy, Baycott, that you could rely on at least, <laughs> we took we took three guys that honestly we shouldn't have taken. I I had drank the Kool-Aid. I'd watched Pete Nance shoot 45% from three at Northwestern <laughs> Air Force. So I'm like, with these guys, he's gonna do the same thing. Why would he not? Did that not. didn't work out. He did not. All right, my next two were Mike Miles and LJ Cryer. Miles was awesome when he was healthy. Cryer was solid. He's now since in the portal, uh, yeah. but shoots the shit out of the ball. So yeah, right. uh, those were kind of yeah, those were good. Those were good for me. Uh, my next two. <laughs> I mean, Derek Whitehead, talented, injured. Yep, yep. you took three flashes. freshmen. Hey, I know you next three year, freshmen are wrong. Actually, I'm, four. I'm, I'm, How about I'm picking... this? Nick Smith. Listen to this. Nick Smith, Lively was hurt. Whitmore was hurt. Whitehead was hurt. All four of them. You are the reason. You're the problem. Next year, I'm going straight veterans. No freshmen on my I'm going to remind you before we start. Please. So, Derek Whitehead and I took Hunter Dickinson, which, God. He gave us a ski mask game. Yeah. He, he gave us, um, you know, some really good performances. Yeah. He gave us some not so good performances, but he is talented. Yeah. Um, and he gave us some bad podcasts. <laughs> I won't even go there. Right. Your, your war rages on. That's all I'll say about that. I just listen. All I'll say, and I'll say it again, is when you're doing a podcast with a college kid, your job is to protect that college. Yeah, kid. and like him saying we're going to oh. win by thirty and right. getting thirty piece that doesn't help him. Nah. Doesn't help him. That that's my deal. My deal has always been, and you know this when when I was covering you, what was I all about? Protecting you. Man, right? helping protecting. helping the players recover. Agreed. Correct. Correct. So uh my last two were a little iffy. All right. This is where I actually like my entire team for the most part. RJ Davis and Keontae George, you might have said, like, eh, I'd like to have those over. I finished with Amari Bailey, who was terrific down the stretch, Rob. Yeah. And Jamarian, Jamarian Sharp from Western Kentucky. That was that was my mid-major pick, and I would have loved to have had that one over. Yeah, I, my last one was Max Aismas, which was a good pick. Great pick. Great. Yeah. I actually think we did pretty well. What we learned is stay away from Carolina players. 
and for you to stay away from freshmen. Avoid the freshman and Zach Eady is the major snub. So is Trace Jackson Davis. Yes. Eady and Trace yes. Jackson Davis are the two guys. We we decided we decided early we weren't going to load up on the on bigs. bigs. Agreed. We it, weren't going to load up. Uh, Baycott, Trace Jackson Davis, Eady. Zach Eady not selected. But right. if you take – I can't believe I drafted Lively so freaking high. Well, you well, took him because he was different. I took him because he was different from Timmy. Yeah, right. I agree. Right. You said, I got Timmy. I'm not going to – and same thing with me with Oscar. I took Oscar over all those guys and then said, I'm not taking another big well, like That's why that. you took Kalkbrenner. Correct. Correct. I need a guy who can guard. Yep. So, well, I think your team is better. Well, we know that. Good. We know that. It always is. No, it's not. We I'll, Next year, no freshman. No freshman. Right. You say until that I, now. Until I drink the Kool-Aid again. You say it now. We'll see. All right, signing off for the regular season. Hummel says he will, if we can get the contract done, he will do some off-season pods. So stay tuned. Tell that to Doster. Tell we're that gonna, to Doster. We're, we're going to have some updates, periodic updates over the next few weeks of how the contract negotiations are going. So make sure you 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 follow us. Uh, you follow Field of 68 because we may even need to, to do a um, – one of the uh, th- what's it called where you raise money? <laughs> Crowdfund. <laughs> yeah, we may need to do one of those to raise money. No, Doster's out here just raking in the cash. He he can afford it. He's out in Going Vegas. Crowdfund. I know he's out in Vegas just dropping. I'm, dropping. I'm like the budget in Vegas looked like it was just absurd. You guys what? are at these casinos acting like dipshits at the pool all the time, <laughs> and I'm just saying I make. Pennies on the dollar for this podcast. So I, I'm going to go to bat for you. I'm I, gonna, might not, I might not be back. I might, might need a new agent. One. I, I might, might never come back. If you need a new agent, let me know. All right. I'll, I'll keep you posted. All right. Listen, uh, thanks to everybody following us the, the, the whole season. Uh, we really appreciate it. I, I know I have a blast doing it with you, Rob. I, I hope you do as well. We've known each other a long time. And, and again, um, what you've done, um, making the transition from from playing uh, to doing the media thing. I think everybody would agree uh, you're, you're terrific at what you do because, again, I think the one thing that you have that not a lot of people have, well, number one, the work ethic. I do think as much as I make fun of you for golfing in the offseason, which you do well and a lot, I you do. work your ass off in the regular season, and you tell it the way it is without offending people. And uh, that that's a gift. That's a gift. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, and uh, again, we'll uh, we appreciate everybody, and we'll see you soon.